Edit these this sounds. It's is like, the Theo B plot class. <laughs> I want like, like bubbling sound. Well, I don't know if I can like. <laughs> That's a slurping. I don't want slurping. I want like okay, like a straw in it and then like blowing bubbles because oh, it like simulates the sound of like the do, coffee maker. Do we do we have bubbles? We need a. Do we have? Or do I bubbles? Have bubbles? <laughs> <laughs> do we have bubbles? <laughs> yeah, I have bubbles in my pocket right now. Actually, <laughs> we have straws. Welcome to another episode of Theo Brew Podcast. Uh, I'm here by myself because Andrew Koch is actually in Thailand with International Justice Mission. And uh, he won't be back until, I think, the end of this year. So I'm here with three other people who will be helping me talk about music. Um... How about you guys introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Serena. I am one of the worship leaders here. I've been going to Christ Kaleidoscope Church for about a year, and I'm just really happy to be here. Uh, my name's Joseph. People know me around these parts as Jojo. I'm also a worship leader. Been here since uh, CK's inception, way back in the planning stages. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. I'm Don. Uh, I am another worship leader for Christ Kaleidoscope, uh, and I've also been here at the inception of this church. Thanks, guys, and um, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, so I thought it would be interesting to kind of have a conversation with all of, well, I guess my church and our church, which is Christ Kaleidoscope, here in Irvine, Irvine, California. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's situated in Irvine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of have a conversation with our, uh, well, I would say music le- worship leaders, music leaders. Maybe I'm more inclined to say music leaders because I don't. Whatever floats your boat. Thank, thank you, Jojo. <laughs> I, thank you. It is my podcast. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess I wanted to start off by kind of broadly asking the question of what is music to us as you know Christians and kind of I guess to answer that question is we kind of have to go through kind of our history with music our journey with music Mm -hmm. and so I guess uh, I just wanted to kind of have this conversation with all three of you because you know we all not only are you guys leaders in this church but also, I guess we all kind of have different stories to how we got to where, or at least where how you guys got to where you guys are. I mean, all four of us are musicians, so this will be a very interesting conversation to have. <laughs> if one of you guys want to start off. Yeah, I'll start. Um, I came from a really musical family. Um, my mom is a piano teacher, so I started playing piano when I was around four years old uh, and took lessons and played classically. Uh, and then I picked up the guitar around age of like 13 or so. Um, 
and started volunteering on the music team at my church. And so, yeah, music has always been a part of my life. Um, I think it always will be. It's really important to me and my family. Um, so growing up, um, I really learned to appreciate hymns and uh, rich songs full of theology. Uh, started leading worship, mu music worship in ninth grade. Um, and I became really attracted to the Pentecostal or charismatic movement, I guess. Mm. Um, so I, <laughs> I guess I'm also a pretty emotional person. So that really drew me in uh, because I felt the music and I felt close to God, you know, when everyone else around me was raising their hands and singing loudly. Um, there was a lot of emotional high in uh, the Pentecostal movement that I was part of. Um, and so I, I guess I kind of measured my closeness to God based on how I was feeling with music. And that was my relationship with worship music particularly for a really long time. Uh, I felt like I was always trying to find a high with music and I loved praise nights. I loved going to prayer meetings and, you know, being with people who were speaking in tongues or prophesying or, um, you know, leading spontaneous worship that lasted for like hours <laughs> in the middle of the just... night on a mountain, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that was just like what I wanted. Um, <laughs> so much more Christian than I was. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, that was back then when I was, like, fairly conservative, so I, I really judged my faith based on how I felt in the music, which now I can see is, is fairly flawed, but it was kind of where I was at the time, and I did really enjoy it, and I did feel close to God. Um, around college, started deconstructing my faith as a result of being a religious studies major, um, and I also was experiencing... A time of depression and so I lost my ability to feel and that kind of led to this crisis of faith because I couldn't judge how close I was to God because I couldn't feel God and I needed to find other ways to survive or at least let my faith still live um, because I, I wasn't sure I could be Christian if I couldn't feel so I, I remember my sophomore year of college, um, I went to Westmont College, which is a Christian private school in Santa Barbara, and I was on the praise team, and I remember on the weeks that I wasn't leading, I just sat on one of the benches of the, of the chapel, and I couldn't sing the words, I couldn't feel anything, I was totally numb to all the worship that was happening, but there was this girl um, who was on our worship team, but she didn't play any instruments, she didn't sing, she was signing. Um, so she w had this huge passion for the hard of hearing community, and so she wanted to sign for people who couldn't experience music. And so I guess the more that I watched her, the more I felt a connection to God because I could see the words being played out, even though I couldn't understand what she was 
signing, I just saw them, these words come alive. Um, and there were so many moments where I was almost moved to tears because I just watched her worship and I borrowed her faith and her passion in the midst of not being able to feel God. Um, so this was really the moment when I expanded my understanding of faith, um, not being just connected to emotion. But so I started studying theology and church history and began appreciating uh, the, the traditions that have been passed down to me so that I can have faith. Um, I started engaging my brain rather than just my heart. Um, and so now I think having come out of my deconstruction journey, music is still a very vital part of my faith, but it's not really how I judge how close I am to God. It's, it's more of uh, a, a celebration of the gifts that God has given me as a musician, as a leader. Um, and I am able to both feel the emotions of a song, but also to think about the words that are being sung. So I think having that experience of not being able to feel has been able to expand my understanding of how music is being used in the church. And so that gives me a deeper appreciation of how we all can worship, not just with music, but with study and prayer and meditation and relationships with community, fellowship, meals. There's so many ways that we can honor and worship God. So I know this topic is about music, but it's important, I think, to connect music with worship and worship with so many other things. So it's just kind of connected. Um, yeah, I think that's basically the gist of my story. It's, I think if I can take away something from my story and journey with music and faith, it would, it would be that music is not um, some sort of coping mechanism, but it's, it's a gift, but it's not, it's not the end goal of faith. You know, it's not what we should be striving for, but it's, it's something to lead us towards God. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, quick question. Yeah. I, kind of, were you watching the sign, sign, the girl who was signing while you were leading worship? I did do that. Um, oh, I mean, I was, I was watching her from the sides, but oh, also okay. she would sign when I was leading worship as well. Hmm. So I got to see her... Um, both on stage and when I was off stage. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I guess it was cool too because I wouldn't really feel the words while I was leading worship. And it, it kind of sucked because I was in front of a thousand people. Like, this is, you know, college chapel. Mm. And so I had to look and act like mm. I really cared about, like, the words of the, of the music. But she would always stand in front of me while I led. So I was able to be reminded that I was in the presence of God and that what I was doing was important, even if I didn't feel that. Hmm. So she was a vital per like person in my life that 
affected my faith. And she doesn't really, I think I've told her maybe like once or twice, but um, she's always going to be someone that I remember as, as a, a really genuine and authentic worshiper. Mm-hmm. Um, this might not be too relevant to, or I don't know how many of our listeners are also worship leaders, but mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've led worship for, with, like, with our church for a good amount of times now. Yeah. Um, we don't have a signer. We don't have <laughs> someone who's super enthusiastic. Sure. I like, That's you'll, true. You'll have people raising their hands. So like, I guess in today's terms, I'm, I'm as a worship leader, I'm curious, like how, are there times when you don't feel it when you're, when you're singing? And, and if so, what, what do you do in, in times like that? I mm-hmm. guess it could be relevant to like, if you're an audience member, you don't feel the music too. Like maybe, maybe sure. what you say could help with them as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good question. Um, I, I do have moments where I, I'm not feeling it. Um, but I think where I am now in my faith, um, it's not really about hiding or faking my way through the music. Um, but it's, it's more of a mentality shift where, um, let's, let's say for example, I'm, I'm really anxious and I can't stop thinking about the thing that I'm worrying, worrying about. Um, what I'm able to do now, just after years of, of, uh, mental health, uh, healing and spiritual healing, I suppose, I think I'm able to step back and remember that sometimes my body can help my heart worship. So going through the motions, maybe singing the words, playing the keyboard, um, or even raising my hands if I'm in the congregation, those types of things can help my heart be in a posture of worship. So I, I guess if, if you're listening and, and you don't often feel like you feel the music, I don't think you need to feel it. I think feelings our gift, but it's not the main point of why we worship. Um, so yeah, if you're not a feeler, um, maybe you know, like engage with your body and let your body help you worship. Like if, if that means raising your hands or clapping, kneeling, I think all of those things are really helpful um, to actively and intentionally engage with how we worship. And I think that's interesting because I think when, when, when I think about people, um, uh, you know, like exhibiting physical, you know, postures, mm-hmm. um, I always think like, I have to clap when I feel like clapping, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. it's interesting to, to, uh, to suggest that uh, when you are genuinely making an effort to worship, mm-hmm. it could work the other way around too. Right. Um, like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking right now, like I, <laughs> like I, sometimes I need someone to tell me to raise my hands for me, <laughs> raise my <laughs> hands. Cause, um, I think most of the times I don't really feel like it, yeah. but, um, I think it's helpful to, I guess even like reading through the scriptures and stuff and like the Mm -hmm. Psalms and like reading about 
you know, like the 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 who, you know the the author of the songs will like say like you know they're raising their hands or um, or like the worship leader saying like raise your hands and um, yeah, just like having that prompt is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'll go next. Um, so I started playing piano. My my mom made me and my sister do piano lessons um, when I was five or six and she was three-ish. Must have been three. Who makes a two-year-old play piano? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've been playing piano since I was five. Um, well, I took lessons when I was five until uh, 12th grade, wow. which was when I was 18. Um, so I should be much better than I am, (laughs) but here we are. Um, so I did like the certificate of merit stuff. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, CM is, I don't even, I guess it's just like a, what? (laughs) It's not really even a competition. It's just. A good pat on the back, yeah. really. So it's with a, levels. So it's a participation <laughs> certificate. Um, you still have to like do like a yeah. theory oh, like, okay. test. Make yeah. sure it just stuff. gets progressively harder. Yeah, mm. yeah. You, you learn like music theory, and every year for for each level, you have to do like a written music theory test, and then like a performance test. And if you pass, you move on to the next level. I think it stops at ten, and then there are like three three more levels above that called panel or something. Um, anyways, I stopped at like nine or 10. And um, then, uh, so in between that, I learned guitar in seventh grade. Um, and I picked up the guitar because I wanted to learn the intro to the Blink-182 song, Damn It. I love that um, so my friend had a guitar and he played pretty well. So I was like, Hey, you can teach me how to play dance. <laughs> <laughs> and he was really good. So he looked at me, he was like, okay. And then he like taught me how to do it. I'm like struggling. And anyways, um, that's kind of when I started playing, um, and very much like piano for how long I've been playing guitar, I should be much better, but, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, so I've been playing music. I for, Oh, yeah, there was like a short stint in elementary school that I played violin for like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, those are That's pretty much the extent of the instruments that I learned how to play. Um, uh, I, so I, I grew up non-Christian. Um, so all the songs that I played growing up were, you know, not Jesus music. I didn't start playing worship music until um, I became a Christian, um, which was around uh, college, beginning of college. I think I was 19 or something. Um, And that came about, um, well, backtracking a little bit. Um, I was messing around um, with my friend um, after a youth group. uh, And... (laughs) <laughs> he was playing um, uh, hands, 
hands down by dashboard confessionals you guys, <laughs> you guys know <laughs> can you can you sing it for us though for the people who don't know the song no i will, <laughs> I will not subject our, the few listeners that we have <laughs> to, um uh and drive them away um no we uh we were messing around and there's like a really high point and i was like basically just kind of screaming <laughs> um and having fun and um my dear friend janet (laughs) very very graciously went over and surprisingly asked like hey do you want to lead worship for the youth group i was like are you sure (laughs) did you just hear me (laughs) um but that's kind of when it all started um yeah um that was in 2000 uh six or seven 2007 Mm. i want to say um and yeah i've been leading worship music for church ever since i mainly did um the youth group crowd um i didn't really do much of the main sunday Mm. worship stuff Mm. um so so because you didn't grow up christian uh did you have any sort of like religious music experiences before was that kind of your first exposure yeah so uh i grew up buddhist and a lot of what my family did um kind of to foster buddhism was we would go on family trips to these buddhist retreats and um from a pretty young age i learned some like you know, nice little Buddhist songs. Uh, that sounds, that's kind of condescending. Um, they, they were, they were like, so one of the songs that I remember, I remember two songs specifically, but one of them was like, was actually designed for children. Um, and it was based off like some of the precepts of Buddhism. Um, it's like, it was a commitment to faith kind of thing. Um, I think our listeners have to hear the song. Yeah, yes. you can't just describe it. Well, but you we have also, to sing it. yes, we need to hear it. This one we have. I, hands down, I understand. Like, sure, it's not this one. Have to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, from what I can remember, it was a tune that went uh, something like. Um... <clears throat> I need some water for this. Coffee, really? Mm. Coffee, yes. Okay, so I went like, I vow to develop my compassion in order to protect the lives of people, animals, plants, and minerals, animals, plants, and minerals. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Can't forget your minerals. Can't forget the minerals. No, cannot forget minerals. Uh, It really helped when you guys started keeping Mm. the beat. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So that was like the the earliest um, uh, spiritual song that I learned. Mm -hmm. I was like seven or eight or something. Um, And uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I can barely remember the second one um, because I, I like just listened to it recently. Anyways, I'm not gonna sing that one. <laughs> it it is like a nice like 
the whole thing about Buddhism, I'm sidetracking a little bit now, but um, a lot of it is uh, particularly Zen Buddhism, which is the mm-hmm. Buddhism that I learned um, learned about a lot. Um, is a, a lot of the practice revolves around mindfulness mm-hmm. training, and so um, the other song um, is called "Breathing and Breathing Out," and it's based off a meditative practice where um, you you breathe in and then um, you like pay attention to like the breath that you're breathing in and when you're breathing out you're paying attention to the breath that you're breathing out and um so yeah that's kind of what's what the song is about um but yeah to answer your question though Mm. there were there were like some nuggets (laughs) that i can remember about yeah Yeah. wow i guess as as a christian um i i grew up in in the church so i and a little ignorant to how music is um, used in in different religions, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's really cool to, to hear about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th- I think um, it's just so effective, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a song I learned like 24, 23 years ago, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. and I can still remember it. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember most of my Bible songs too when I was a kid. Oh. Or like Veggie Tales. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Did you guys watch Veggie Tales? Well, I was born into Catholicism. Right, you're so. Catholic, you're, you're Buddhist. I guess. I saw Jewish. a little bit. I didn't like. Uh, I started coming to church regularly around sixth grade, so mm. at that point, you're too okay. old for Veggie Tales. <laughs> right, right. Are you though? I mean, I, in I sixth probably grade. wasn't. Probably wasn't. But. I think I remember in like middle school or high school, people like my, my peers talking right. raving Pardon. about Veggie Tales. <laughs> Veggie Tales. Yeah, grew up with all the Veggie Tales um, from like ages of three to ten. I I watched like all of them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many songs just stuck. Okay, well, I shared something. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any VeggieTale song that you remember? Uh, oh, man. VeggieTales. Let's see. Oh, that's a good one. Um, um, oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where, 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 is my hairbrush. And what did that song teach you? Where was her hairbrush? Well, you see. So that one, that one has got effective at like getting stuff in here, but didn't really teach you. Like, I mean, the the Buddha song, there was like a purpose to that. I don't know, like questioning the location of your hairbrush <laughs> there are some theological implications you know, it must be about like the 99 and he wants to find the one the one hairbrush the one lost hairbrush mm. it must be mm. so why does jesus have a hundred hairbrushes <laughs> hey go with the go with the story here have There's you seen parables. pictures of jesus I mean, his hair is, like, luscious, so maybe you see how many hair Yes. Yes. White Jesus has very luscious brown hair. A blonde... Nice and flowing. Yes, absolutely. So, you started leading worship, and then... How was that journey? Um, well... It was fun. Yeah. I think... I mean, even now. Like, I think a pretty consistent you know, 
if rather shallow reason, <laughs> maybe uh, uh, consistent, I guess, theme for my tenure <laughs> as a worship leader has been, it's fun. Um, but I think uh, it was only about fun back then when I started. Um, when I was asked to lead worship songs, I, I mainly picked songs that I liked to sing, <laughs> regardless of what they said. Um, and it was actually kind of, I'm, I'm sorry to remember, it's kind of ironic that like, um, Ken asked me to start leading some of the more like slower acoustic mm. kind of, you know, meditative songs. Um, you know, cause like that more matched my personality. Um, I was much more of a mellow person, still am kind of, but I actually had a lot more fun. Like I actually preferred to play the loud jumpy, you know, <laughs> like electric guitar and like, you know, mm -hmm. full drum set, uh, songs. Um, and actually, back back then, Jojo was still playing yeah. electric guitar. Electric, electric guitar Crazy. player. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I think, like, as as I started to grow in faith, um, I started to, I guess, take stock of the things I was doing as a Christian, and questioning whether or not it was. Uh, like a genuine reflection of what I believed about God, about faith and community. Um, and I, I think I was influenced to do this through, through kind of a movement that was happening within our, at least the English congregation of um, our old church, um, OCCEC, um, which <laughs> stands for Orange County Christian Evangelical Church. Um, and, um, yeah, I think back then we were, um, starting to, um, look at the things that we did as a church and say, like, does this accurately reflect what we believe as a community? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, of course, music being one of the most influential things in our faith, um, uh, became um, a subject of scrutiny for us and so I think for for me personally um, I th watching and hearing you know like uh, the leadership and um, I guess like particularly Ken and and Jojo as well you know start to say like oh well you know there's the song was good uh, it is good but um, I'm not sure about this verse we don't really know what it's saying, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, and you know, for me, I'd be like, oh, sounds like it. it sounds fun to me, but then like, yeah, I started to take, um, I started to take that approach a little bit more seriously, and um, because I started to realize that the things we say, the things you know, through either sermons or through our songs, they affect us in, in some way. Even if it's not like a dramatic thing, I think. Um, and you see this in, in the ways that we listen to, um, I guess, just music in general. You know, like the like how music can shape us uh, in certain ways if we're not um, 
paying attention to what what's happening um and so <clears throat> i think for me um uh at some point a few years into my faith um i started to pay more attention to the words and the lyrics of the songs that i was starting to lead um which meant you know practically discarding some songs that are really used to love to play and I guess if I'm, you know, to be honest, I, I still like to play them, but it's just more for funsies. <laughs> um, but I, there, there are some songs that I, um, I choose not to play anymore when I am using them um, during a worship service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of where I am now. Um, yeah, I, I guess everyone started with their history. I'll start with mine too. I, um, growing up, I, I wouldn't call my family a musical family. Serena's like her like entire lineage. They all were music <laughs> teachers. Um, my mom played a little bit of piano. My dad uh, would sometimes like sing "We Shall Overcome" this like old hymn at home, but he was tone deaf. <laughs> but it didn't stop me. Just sung really loud. That was my growing up experience. I was I wasn't really particularly attuned to music. I I have a similar like similar to Don. I was made to do music. Uh, I played piano for a long time. I played cello uh, starting in fourth grade, um, and I and I did it fairly intensively. They made me do private lessons and stuff like that. Um, but it was always compulsory for me. Like growing up, music wasn't something I enjoyed. It wasn't something that um, I wanted to explore, or get better at. Just you have to do it, and um, that's what it was for me. Uh, I guess until I, I don't know exactly why, but I picked up guitar, uh, I want to say around ninth grade. Um, it was a really crappy Squire that we got from Jim's Music back when it was at the old location. Um, Good so old Jim's. So it was a blue Squire, um, got out of tune really quickly. If you played too high on the fretboard, it got out of tune. Um, but that didn't matter to me because I had a little amp and had a little overdrive button. Um, so I could, I could like play my power chords, I could do my solos. That was what got me going. And I, I just fell in love with it. Like I, I, literally, like I came home from school and I just went to my room, plugged in my guitar and just started playing all the time. I think I annoyed a lot of my family members by like how loud I played. But I, just, I was just like super passionate about electric guitar. That was like, that was my thing. Um, the, and that eventually led into so. How did I become a worship leader? I brought the guitar to church. Um, I I don't know why I did, but I did, and I I was I was playing in the back of the youth group room. Uh, they were uh, the worship team was doing their practice for the Friday night uh, songs, and I was just sitting in the back like strumming or doing something on the guitar. Um, I forget exactly who. One of the worship team members comes up and is like, "Hey, do you want to? Do want to? I, I see you play guitar. Do you want to play with the team?" And I guess I didn't really know how to take that um, suggestion, but I, I just kind of said yes. Maybe I was too flustered. It's like, uh, 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 sure. <laughs> but I, so it's like, it's, it wasn't something I planned on, but I ended up on the team. And I I thought they would just have me for practice. And then I would like kind of like ease me. And I played that very night, like that night at worship in front of the whole youth group. I played guitar. And I think I played the electric guitar for like Tell the World or something like that, that mm. the Hillsong song. And that, was, uh, that, was, that was my start. I kind of like, um, they dropped me straight in, uh, and then from there I just, I just kept playing. Like almost every Friday night, they had me play electric guitar. 
Um, so I grew up on those kinds of songs, the songs we played in youth group. We played the Hill songs, we played the Starfields, we played the Chris mm-hmm. Tomlins. Um, and that's what, how I thought worship music was supposed to be. Um, so eventually, um, this is, oh my gosh. This is a very formative moment in my musical career. I, we had a benefit concert. <laughs> so, so everyone's heard this one before, but it's still, it's still a little painful for me to bring up. Um, we had a benefit concert. It was probably for some global disaster or whatever. We're trying to raise money for that. Um, and thought it was a good idea. So I was like, okay, I'm going to help out. I'm going to do a, um, I'm going to do a set of me playing guitar and singing, acoustic guitar and singing. And, um, I would, I, I came up with this, uh, certain ideas. Um, I think I did like, um, what's that Jason Mraz song? Um, I'm yours. I'm yours, yeah. So I did a Jason Mraz song. I did something else and I did like Phil Wickham, um, some Phil Wickham song. Cannons. It wasn't Cannons. It was, um, it was, <laughs> oh man, if I remember, whatever. Uh, but I made this three song set. I, I even had a portion in the middle where I would do a call and response with the audience. I'll be like, it's like after the Jason Mraz song, like, I'll be like, sing, like, oh, oh, oh. And like, I would have them do it and like, it would go back and forth because I, I might have saw like a YouTube video of someone doing something somewhere. It was like super embarrassing. I'm like, why would I, why did, why did I think I could pull that off? I don't know. But at the moment, it seemed like a good idea. Finish the concert, a bunch of like, people come up to me. It's like, oh, this stuff's so great. Good job. Oh my gosh. Like, that was awesome. I was like, I was feeling pretty, like, thanks. Like, I, I felt pretty good about myself. Um, but everything changed when I listened to the recording of what I sounded like. <laughs> it, they, they posted a video on, onto, onto Facebook. Um, I, I listened to my, like, all, like, what, like, 12, 13 minutes of my, my set. And, like, I was, my, my, just a feeling of horror. <laughs> Like all the whole way through, as I listened to all of it, I sounded horrible. I was like super, super out of tune all the entire time, um, and then just like how long it was, how embarrassing, like the entire idea of it was. Um, but the reason why I say this is formative for me is because at that moment I was like going back and finding out how I actually sung was like super awful. Like I, I don't want to feel that ever again. I'm gonna try really, really, really hard to never be that bad again. <laughs> And I, I practiced a bunch. I, I like I would always I was like seeing record myself, go back and like critique it, like mm. make make it better. That's what motivated me, not sucking. Mm. Um, but it, it was around the time because they they realized I sang. If you can call that singing, um, so I was like, hey, you want to start leading for worship? And eventually they started incorporating me to be a worship leader. Mm. Um, and I think. There was a, there was a certain uh, period in OCCC history where I basically sang every Sunday, um, every Friday, every Sunday, um, and yeah, I just that was part of my life as a worship leader. Um, where do I want to go with that? I guess I guess part of my story. Um, so Don mentioned how like there is this kind of like shift in both like how we did um, how we did worship and how we did music in general. I think I grew up like very formative for me in terms of like worship music i listened to a lot of david crowder band like mm. a collision like mm. i li- i can't list how many times i listened to that <laughs> i was like that's a good album. that was so good like it had like a story to it and like mm. little in between and transition it was, it was great um, the other one was um phil wickham's sing-along the like kind of live album mm. so those like that's what i thought worship music was supposed to be i mean i was okay with hillsong and stuff like that the jumpy songs that don likes 
And I was, I was like, sure. Like, <laughs> sure. Even though you're playing the lead guitar, I was like, like real worship. <laughs> real worship was songs like Dear Carter. Uh, so it was weird to me when um, Ken started sending out these CDs, like, hey, why don't we try these songs? And they weren't hype, they weren't jumpy songs, they weren't um, what we would call contemporary Christian music. They were like mm. prayers. Mm. I think one of the first songs we did that kind of indicated that shift, Prayer of St. Augustine, yeah. where it's they literally just took, like, hey, Saint uh, Augustine wrote this prayer a long time ago. We're putting it to music, and we're singing it. And like mm-hmm. people dug it, but it was it was it was markedly different than what we were doing before. Yeah. Um, and I think that helped me understand what the role of music was in as as a worship leader, um, as the one who picks the songs, as the one who's kind of leading the congregation into um, this music that helps people get in the posture of worshiping God. Uh, it's not enough that people like the song. It's, it's nice if it's like they like Hillsong and we play Hillsong, they're happy, we're happy. It's, it's not enough. It's how, how music fits into the rest of the liturgy. Mm-hmm. Are we, are we um, in, in some ways, are we teaching them the right ideas? Um, it doesn't have to be just like, oh, strictly doctrine, just like literally singing kind of like the, the Buddhist song from before. Um, but it does kind of have to get them in the right posture. I, I think a lot of the biggest complaint we had with a lot of these other songs is like felt too much like, oh, Jesus is my boyfriend. I, mm. I want hold me in your arms, never let me go. I want to spend eternity. Like, it made it a little bit too much like, oh, it's just like a romantic relationship almost with Jesus. Um, some of them were kind of lacking in substance. Some of them, um, yeah, like just different or, or ideas we didn't think were quite right about God. And the first thing we turned to, like I mentioned the prayer, we also turned to hymns. Mm. Um, I didn't grow up on hymns. Uh, Serena mentioned she did. When I grew up in the church, it was... It was the youth group songs. It was the, mm-hmm. the Hill song, the Chris Tomlin. Um, and going back to them and finding out how, like, wait, Christians have been singing this for hundreds of years, and there's so much depth in these mm-hmm. words. Like, um, songs like Come Thou Found, some songs like um, uh, Be Thou My Vision, I, I, I like a lot. Um, they, they, these were very, very talented songwriters and very talented lyricists, and that was a resource we were basically not utilizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess on another level, you're kind of connecting with Christians around the world, yeah. not just throughout time, but around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, like on any given Sunday, maybe like oh, thousands of churches are singing this song too. Yeah. You're connecting with them. Um, so I, I found that to be a lot more important. Um, genre, of course, we kind of steered away from electric guitar songs, mostly because I was leading and I led on acoustic guitar, so I, I couldn't really do both. Um, so we started singing more folksy songs. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think a song, an uh, artist we play a lot now is The Brilliance, and that's miles away from Hillsong. It's miles away from, mm. from those like rock concert type songs. Um, and, and going through the process has been interesting for me. I think um, being the one that helps choose songs, helps craft worships on Sundays, uh, it's, it's been very interesting for my faith, um, having to kind of think deeply about all these different parts that might just kind of go by unnoticed by congregants. They, they're just there, they're listening, and they might not notice it, but it does play a part, it does play a role in formation, it does play a role in mm-hmm. um, bringing them into that posture. Yeah, I think one of the really amazing things about music worship is, I think Jojo touched on it, about how it can connect you with 
not only Christians from the past, but also Christians around the world. Um, and that kind of makes me think about how powerful music can be because it it is transcultural. It, it, it can, you can share something with people who are completely different from you, but because you have um, this connection with maybe this song or this liturgy or, uh, you know, faith in, in Jesus Christ and who he is. Like, it's, it's really beautiful to be able to see that that, no matter how different you are, if you, like, profess this faith and you live out this faith and you sing this song together, like, it, can, it connects your spirit with one another. And that's, I think, that's church and that's community. And it's also cool because music can also be contextualized at the same time. So, you know, it's, it's contextual and... Um, yeah, so it, it can do both, you know, it can reach people, it can also be catered to culture. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I really think about that a lot because um, there are so many different kinds of people and Christians. Like, I, you know, if, if someone from like Northern Africa who is a Christian and came to our church, they would be absolutely blown away by how boring we are. You know? Ouch. <laughs> but like, for us, you know, like, this works for yeah. us because this is our context. Mm-hmm. But maybe for someone who is in Northern Africa and they do come to our church, we have the ability as well to, um, to reach that person as well. Like, through culture, or through, I'm sorry, through, through tradition through history, through the liturgies that we all say on the same Sunday. So I, I, I think that's very powerful that when music can not only be specific, it can also be very broad. Mm-hmm. So it reaches a lot of people. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm going to mention another podcast on your podcast, Thomas. <laughs> Yay, my publicity. I hope you don't mind. Oh, um, <laughs> by all means. When I was listening to the liturgist episode about, um, about worship, mm-hmm. um, don't quote me on this. This is something I heard Science Mike say. They, ha- I think Science Mike has notes on this. Mm. Okay, don't, don't quote me on any of this. <laughs> but... I, uh, if I remember correctly, an interesting thing he said about music is that, um, like, no matter what form it is, it's, it, like, it just creates social cohesion. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like you said, Serena, in, like, different contexts, it works better. But, like, just music in general creates a type of social cohesion. And so yeah. there's, like... Um, so like, even though, you know, like at our church, we, um, you know, don't play certain songs because of the certain, certain, you know, lyrics or substance that we're looking for, but like, we, we can't still, we can't deny that there is still some value, Mm -hmm. you know, to like the songs that we choose not to sing in our worship service because, um, yeah, like it it probably does 
reach to like a lot of people in different ways um and yeah it's just like an interesting thing that like it's one of those things that um yeah like jojo mentioned too that um even i you know on on sundays it the music just you know kind of comes and goes sometimes even when i'm leading the music (laughs) comes and goes sometimes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know and it's like okay you know that happened that was nice um and so there's there's always like something about music though that um it will reach someone Mm -hmm. um even if it doesn't reach others Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Yeah. i did want to get this story in um so this uh this had to do with uh cambodia missions trip i um the first time i went um with with a team from our church to uh cambodia we uh, we would go to a city called poi pets um there's this orphanage there we call it a happy home um and we would go there and and, and help out we would bring gifts we would kind of teach lessons and do kind of stuff with them uh the kids there as, as part of our missions trip um and and the year that i went uh through, we were kind of discussing like oh what are what should our roles be um and obviously I was the worship leader, so they said, you, you can do music. You can uh, figure out how to do music, um, how to incorporate work, music and worship stuff on, on, during the trip. And that's like, they don't speak, like I, at that point I, I basically thought they didn't speak any English. So I was like, how, what am I supposed to do? I don't know songs in Khmer, which is the language they speak there. Um, so I, and it's maybe a little bit more context. It's been kind of a running joke <laughs> at church that um, I hate, Hillsong. Um, <laughs> it's like, because, like, yeah, I was kind of one of the people who was like for switching the sets or switching the song choices. So imagine my surprise. Uh, I, I email uh, Olivia, who's there at the, at the time before we, we were um, deciding to go over, and it's like, what kind of songs do they sing there? Like, do we know anything? Like, how, just help me out. Um, she sends me back a list of a bunch of basic, just a bunch of Hillsong songs. <laughs> so, huh. <laughs> God is a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I, I knew how to play the songs. So I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of them, but I'll learn them, I'll prepare them, or like kind of get more familiar with them. We get over there and um, it comes to the time where I have to do a set. I have to, I, I, we kind of like take turns. They do their songs in Kamai, and then we do a couple songs from like our side, the team side. Um, and one of the first songs I picked was One Way by Hillsong United. Um, and I, the feeling, it was, it was something else. It was pretty surreal. Like, playing that song and then having every single one of them basically scream out the lyrics to this song. Mm. They don't, some of, some of the younger kids, like, basically, don't, they don't speak any English. Uh, the older kids there, like, knew a little bit of, like, bits and pieces of English. But they knew every single word to this song, <laughs> to One Way. Um, and it was like, it was like a decently sized room, but the way they sung it is like completely deafening. I could barely hear myself. And it was, Mm. it was just like, oh my gosh, like I could barely hold a conversation with most of these kids, but we're singing this song together. We're worshiping together, Mm. um, through this song that I wasn't a big fan of. It was like, it's just like a whatever song to me. Mm -hmm. Um. And there, there's just something about that. Like, I think we've been touching on this, like how music can reach people, mm-hmm. connect people, cohesion. And in this case, it kind of crossed not just from church to church in America, but from right. from Christians 
coming from music is cross-cultural you know, mm. to, to, to these kids in Cambodia beautiful. Um, by the way this is the moment Jojo made his mark as an international pop star <laughs> <laughs> I, I have heard such stories mm. Asian Justin very, Bieber no comments, no comments. <laughs> so if, I, if, I, if I respond to this it makes the rumor and makes the stupid thing grow I, I have no comments well I mean this is a podcast so people will listen you know this is clearly truth you're just denying <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even there and I heard about it yeah so, you know that's that's just I didn't even know it. you existed at that point and I knew <laughs> <laughs> I guess that kind of leads into the question of, you know, what is, or who, who are we catering to when we, I mean, I guess I, I feel weird to say catering, but who is music for? Mm. And I guess, and I guess I also asked the, kind of begs the question is what is liturgy? What is our, you know, how do we think about our worship service? Right. And I guess as our music leaders and worship leaders you know what's the point of music Who is that is a good question <laughs> is that a good question it's a, it's a long question, <laughs> a good question. Yeah. yeah um my initial thought just the short answer is like well, music is for the church and then i kind of backtracked and i was like wait music is for god both like <laughs> um i i, I think I think it is both because uh, I think the three of us have been able to articulate that we think music helps us be in a posture of worship. Um, so it helps us. I think when we're able to give music to God, that that's just such an awesome gift. It's like we're using his gift and kind of breathing it back to him. Um, so I think it blesses him and it blesses the church. I think it's so powerful to be able to listen to the congregation sing together. And when you look around the room and these are the people that you love, the people that you've interacted with, the people that you fought with and that sometimes you get annoyed with. These are maybe, you know, you go to church with your roommate or your family or your best friends or maybe you don't even know them, but there's, there's some sort of beauty in coming together, singing to the one that you all love and giving this gift together. It also, I think by giving together, you also receive a gift. So it's kind of a cool, like, um, giving and taking type re- relationship, I suppose. And I think that's pretty beautiful. So when, you, when you're saying... Who is music for? You're talking about within a, the church context or? Context of the church. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could make the question like this, like, why don't we just chant the words? So we have our songs, we have our hymns, why don't we just read the words together? Isn't that like mm-hmm. teaching us the ideas? Isn't that like social cohesion? We're doing stuff together. What's the difference between that and singing together? Why is that like a crucial part of mm-hmm. how, we, how we think of church? Mm-hmm. That is a good question. <laughs> 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 well, I I guess having played music for a long time and played music that didn't include words before, um, I, I often think about 
music or at least instrumental music as something just really beautiful that can't be expressed with words so or at least it expresses something that words cannot express mm. so if you think about maybe a small child maybe this kid doesn't speak anything but what they might be able to do is bang on a little toy piano or like jingle some bells or they'll have something that makes noise and it, it, it can give them a voice that they wouldn't have. Mm. So maybe in some ways our spirits, we can't really articulate, articulate what we're feeling or what our spirit wants or needs or needs to pray with words. We can't, we just can't even wrap our brains around it. But what we can give are these non-word expressions of worship. And maybe that's through music. Mm-hmm. Maybe So I, I think maybe that's why we connect with music so much is because it says something that we can't say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's words that we don't have. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably how I think about it. You know, it's interesting that Jojo mentions the, why don't we just chant? Mm-hmm. Because it reminded me of the, the interpreter that mm. you talked about yeah you know at your uh, your worship service at your school um because you know i imagine for the deaf they can't hear music yeah. so it almost almost is like chanting i mm-hmm. i don't know like i guess i haven't talked to a deaf christian about this so like i, I wouldn't know but um you know i i guess like i think for for me, that's just kind of like a side question that, that I'm curious about. But I think for me, music, um, similarly with, to what you said earlier, Serena, I think it's um, it's something that helps us to worship God. Mm. Um, you know, we in Christian circles often will refer to the music portion of the service as worship. Mm. But I think... Um, that kind of minimizes the worship experience to just the music whereas and that kind of makes the music in itself worship Mm. which i don't think is right (laughs) you know i i think music is beautiful you know it's a lot of things you know but i don't know i think i don't know if the music itself is is worship per se Mm. i think it helps us, like you said, it puts us into a place that helps us to worship God. And I think um, one way for me that's been helpful to think about it is is actually what Ken talked about this morning during his sermon about um, how Christian discipline um, is like cleaning, keeping the window clean to be able to see the beauty that's on the other side of the window. Mm. Um, I think similarly, worship music um, is what helps us see, worship music helps us see the beauty of God. Um, And and, um, I guess in reaction to that, it, you know, does a lot of things like it makes us feel things, it uh, forms us, you know, it it inspires us, um, you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. 
I think that is what music does in the church. And yeah, like, you know, I agree. It, it, it does. It's all, it's for us. It's also for God. And it just like creates this ever flowing relationship between mm -hmm. God and his people. Yeah. I would like to just add that, like, not only is it for, for us and for God, but I think it's kind of, or at least how I think about it is when we sing a song, it's kind of for each other. Like we would kind of think of these these words as kind of, you know, I'm singing this song. Maybe it's a song on confession or just a song of hope or who God is, but I'm singing it to you in the sense that you would not only keep me accountable, but say that we are in this together, that we are a community. And, um, and which is kind of wonderful about, well, at least that's how I think about it. And I think that's kind of wonderful that you can't, you can't have music by yourself. You know, you can listen to music. You can, um, you can always, you know, sing praise songs by yourself. And, but the wonderful thing about being in community is that you're doing it in community. You're doing it to one another. And I think, I think that's kind of, it's for God, it's for, for us, but it's also us kind of to each other. Yeah, I think that's something that I started to notice um, when we started to pay more attention to the songs that we're singing as a community is that we started to include songs that actually weren't directly to God. Like, um, like the shelter when we started playing that song that's you know singing to each other and then um like will we ever rise when see the love yeah do we have any other things we want to talk about or? um i mean we could talk about how, like what do we think music in the church needs i guess mm. what's something that's lacking what could we see more of um, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is having more songs on the experience of lament or some like or like negative experiences. Like, how, are are people writing songs about that? I think maybe at least the American church has a hard time singing songs that are hard to sing mm -hmm. in terms of the words and what it indicates for our lives. Um, so I, I, think, I think I read this statistic somewhere, uh, maybe only like, at least in the hymn books, there's only about 15% of hymns that are lament hymns. Um, and I don't, I can guess why it's so low, but I think there's some sort of discomfort with singing songs about doubt or sadness or hopelessness um, maybe there's some sort of thought process where songs need to lift you up and give you you know help you to have joy and strength and peace and love um, but I, I think that might miss what the Christian life is about I don't think that's totally complete I think those things are important but if music is so powerful in connecting us with God, I think 
it would be important for us to find songs that um, help people in many different kinds of contexts and life experiences um, and help them worship because I, you know, you could sing really hopeful songs um, in a community that is experiencing a lot of trauma or something. That could be good, mm-hmm. you know, singing songs of hope. That could lift someone up for sure. But I also wonder if it would be also powerful to give them a song that they could sing that expresses grief or loss, pain, hardship. I, in, in a way, I think that is also really healing and another expression of how we worship God is coming close to him and and being open and vulnerable about the kinds of things that hurt you. Um, you know, we do sing about sin. I think that's probably the most common, like, quote-unquote negative thing that we, we sing about. But there's so many psalms in the Bible that are sad and really hopeless. Like, David is like a dramatic dude. <laughs> but he always ends with, at least most of his psalms that are laments end with some sort of praise or some sort of declaration of hope. Um, But there are a few laments that just end really dreary and dark and, like, there's no hope for David. Um, And I don't... I, I think it's good to wrestle with that when we have a moment in our lives when we don't have that declaration of hope what is faith then? And I think if your faith can really move through that, I think it makes it even more powerful to say that you do have, when you do, because you know the experience of hopelessness. When you have an experience of lament and you understand sadness and you understand the pain and anger and whatever you're experiencing, joy and salvation and strength becomes even more meaningful and more powerful, I think, in your life. So it might be important to push for songs that maybe make people feel uncomfortable in worship. I think worship is not just about feeling happy. <laughs> yeah, as like as someone who has to pick songs like almost every Sunday, um, I think one of the hard things is like I have a couple of songs, like I have a certain space I have to fill. I have to pick yeah. however many songs. What? How should we feel? Because like people come to church to praise God, to recenter themselves on God, right. um, and am I supposed to pick a song? Like, like are, is our job there supposed to encompass like every single part of the Christian experience? Like, like all these other like I, I feel like it's hard for me to um, commit to playing a song of say of doubt, maybe like a song like "Does Your Heart Break" by the Brilliance, when maybe like. There's like a portion of the audience who's like going through that season, and then seventy five percent is like, "We're fine." Like, <laughs> why am I saying this? Right. Um, but I, I guess to make this a little bit more concrete, there was one Sunday. Um, I had already picked out my set, um, but it was, it was I think it was the night before. It was either it was one of the shootings. It was either like the Pulse nightclub shooting or mm. the Las Vegas shooting, and I was like, I was sending this. I was looking at my set, and the very first song, "Look What God Has Done," and like I yeah. didn't think I could sing that song. I could not like I don't know physically like bring that to the uh, bring that to the congregation and sing that and have that 
not be completely fake or completely I don't know like right. absurd but then like I was like what do I what, what do I put in in its place there's a lot of songs like like Serena was saying there's like oh things are bad or like we're bad or even songs like a little bit about doubting but always kind of has this like happy resolution mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I was in darkness but now I'm in the light mm-hmm. like it's just kind of how, how we've how we've come to tower songs that, that encompasses like the whole of the Christian story but sometimes we're in certain seasons where we're not ready for that happy resolution it doesn't seem real to us um, so to have our music express that I think maybe is like Serena said it's one of the things we need we're, we're lacking that we're missing that yeah, I, th- I think um, that's why I've really appreciated that our church has been um, going through the church calendar. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, during the season of Lent, you know, like we have this dedicated space for lament. Um, and um, I remember, I don't remember which year this was, but when we played Will We Ever Rise literally every single week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, I love that song. It's just, um, but, um, yeah, you know, like, it, I think it's also interesting when JoJo's talking about um, changing the set um, because of something horrible that happened. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been there too. I've, um, you know... I've had to change a set last minute because of something that happened out in the world. Um, and like, I don't mean this to be like a, like an insensitive thing, but like, but bad things happen a lot, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think if we're going to look at the world at large, there's going to be something bad that'll happen every single day. And I think the tension for me as, you know, as a music worship leader is that like it's like how how do I sing a joyful song when I know that there are bad things happening out in the world and still be genuine about it mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah that's just something I you know I've been thinking about more recently well, I guess our faith is just full of paradoxes you know like mm-hmm. I think we're always living in tension. Um, so I think that's okay. I think I think it's good that we're wrestling with, like, oh my gosh, like, what should what song should I choose this morning? Because I, I know that this person is going through this, and this person is, like, just celebrated whatever. And, you know, obviously we can't always, we can't cater to everyone's individual needs. But I think through prayer and relationships with one another we can just it, it's never going to be perfect I think that's you know God is not asking for that obviously but I think when we know each other that's where I, I hope that naturally we'll be able to to uh, shape the liturgy in a way that that can reach a lot of people um, yeah but when I think about having both like lament and also being hopeful I think it's cool that we get to hold both at the same time I think we as humans just are really good at categorizing and we sometimes just need that in order to function right like we go home or sorry we go to work we do our work thing we come home we have our home life you know like we're good at separating and categorizing 
So sometimes maybe we do that with our faith. Um, maybe, you know, we've heard of Sunday churchgoers and like they're one person on Sunday and they're another person on the other week. But if we can maybe bring together our complex emotions, because we are complex beings, if we can bring, you know, our struggle with uh, being like souls versus having bodies, like how do we, it's not like for or against, it's not against each other, but it's, you know, it's different. Like that's, that's also something to wrestle with. You know, Jesus's humanity and divinity, you have like the Trinity three in one, like all of these things are, are, they seem like they can't fit together, but maybe that's, that's like the nature of this upside down kingdom that we're part of, you know, like when Jesus says that the first shall be last, the last shall be first, or when he says that he needs to come down as a slave, even though he's the king. It's just so opposite from what we know and what we're used to. Um, so I think just simply wrestling with the idea that you don't know what kinds of songs that you will lead on Sunday because you want you have this tension between lament and hope, joy and sadness. I think that in and of itself is like, at least to me, is a sort of Christian. Uh, way of being intentional with how you live your faith. I think that's really cool. I guess any last thoughts from... This? I was just going to mention Veggie Tales Rocks. <laughs> you should listen to it. That is my final concluding thought of the entire podcast. That's the takeaway. Mm-hmm. That is the takeaway. Veggie Tales. That ends the debate about music and worship. Yep. Veggie Tales. Yeah, okay. Well... Uh... <laughs> Well, I want to thank you three for just kind of sitting down and kind of ha- kind of talking about music. I think for all four of us as musicians, we just, again, find music very important to us. Yeah. And I think um, as we continue this life as Christians, I guess, I think there's always going to be us ha- dealing with those tensions like Serena mentioned and I, I'm, I'm as a congregant. I'm thankful to have you guys as not only here as to kind of talk about music, but as you know, music worship leaders, and kind of being able to kind of being intentional about how you, I guess, do music mm-hmm. in our worship service and in our liturgy. Yeah, and I think that ends it for us. I want to thank everyone who's listening and yeah hope hope you guys join us next time on our on the Abru podcast and hopefully Kosh will be back with us and yeah thank you thanks Thomas thanks Thomas (laughs) (laughs) thank you Jojo (laughs)